Welcome to a passion project of mine, a collection of conversations captured in time, sharing the tales of people who are making magic real. I'm your host, Julia J, and I'm incredibly excited to be here with you today. What is magic? While magic weaves and threads its way around us every day, magic is a soul essence, its joy, its play. A tiny sparkle is all it takes to set alight a soul fire that shakes, shakes you into being, into feeling alive, feeling full of passion, a feeling you have arrived, arrived to the magic deep within, and that magic feeling, well, that feeling is where life shall begin. Welcome, welcome to today's episode of Making Magic Real. Today's chat with Emily is incredible. It was honestly so hard to edit down as I love everything she has to say. We got to record this conversation sitting on the veranda of Emily's hexagon-shaped house, tucked away amongst the rainforest with a huge flowering tree next to us full of humming bees. The bees have been Emily's biggest teacher in life, being there through the birth of her daughter and have been interwoven in beginning her business in Body Bee. Her business and life's purpose is driven by a dream to restore the sacred connection between bees and humans. Emily lives a bee-centered way of life, which, if you're wondering what that means, I feel like Emily states it best on her website, as bee-centered means that everything I do puts the needs of the bees before my human greed. The beehives I own are little temples of worship. They are all lovingly collected and thoughtfully placed. I name my hives, talk to them like my friends and adorn them and paint. Adorn them with paint and beautiful design. Living a bee-centred life also means not tending to the bees in the conventional way that beekeepers do, which Emily goes a bit deeper into and how she prefers bee tending over beekeeping. And it was truly fascinating to learn some of the differences between conventional and natural bee tending. Through Emily's business in Body Bee, she teaches others the way of natural bee tending and hand makes products such as her Nectar of the Goddesses that acts as a bridge to carry healing and medicinal properties of the hives to the people in a way that's respectful and works alongside the bees. If you like this episode today and want a further deep dive, Emily's Instagram is at embodybee, E-M-B-O-D-Y-B-E-E. And she also has a website, www.embodybee.org, which you can sign up to her newsletter, which will have further information about her courses that she'll be teaching later in the year. I have linked both of them in the description. And I think it's time now to fall into the world of Emily and her bees. Let's go. Emily, thank you for inviting me onto your land and into your space and for saying yes to being part of Making Magic Real. Oh, you're so welcome. Yeah, Yeah, I'm so glad that you um, messaged me and yeah, yeah, I'm really looking forward to connecting and yeah. Yeah, I followed you for a while on Instagram and you're definitely one of the, I wouldn't say only people I follow, maybe I don't follow a broad enough bee community of people, but definitely one of the most like vocal bee people I follow that really are always sharing like about like you know the bees have souls and they're Mm. really sentient beings Mm. that we should be really devoted to and shouldn't be treated in a 
I guess like a clinical way or a detached way yeah so I'd love to start the podcast with mm-hmm. asking you like why is the bee a sacred being yeah <laughs> well that is a really great question and the bee sustains life on earth mm. by making love with flowers just the way it's so interconnected with nature just like how can it not be <laughs> how can you not worship and respect this being um, and they're so intelligent in the way that they work, but then soft and gentle and in community. And it's like the ancients, you know, they didn't have all of the fancy science that we have now on bees, but they knew, um, they, you know, had the reverence for the bees. They knew of um, honey as medicine. Mm. And, you know, you look back at nearly every single um, culture throughout history and you know there was a god or a goddess or you know just within like this culture and society that they had reverence for the bee and so it's only really been in the last hundred years or so we've brought in all of these industrialized methods and we've lost that you know Mm. it's become industrialized and you know we've lost this sort of like sacred touch to this divine being that we've evolved with and so I feel like it's so coming back to like ourselves and nature to, you know, have this awareness. And this is part of my life's purpose to resacralize the bee and to bring the medicine of the hive, mm. um, yeah, to the people. Mm, I love that. Yeah. I'm actually, I was actually <laughs> going to ask you today, like when did it change from mm. being sacred and mm. being a wild creature mm-hmm. to that shift of like, mm. this is how we control it, this yeah. is what happens. Yeah. It's a hundred years. It's, it's patriarchy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And the bees, they're also like a feminine organism. So it's so in tune to like what has been happening in line with like our industrialised food Mm. industry, you know. It's so wild that we've even got to a point where we think it's okay to treat them separate from. Like, and they've just been here sustaining life on earth for who knows how many years. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's, crazy. Yeah, it's really sad, but it's all like, you know, greed and Mm. bees don't respond well to greed. And Rudolf Steiner predicted over a hundred years ago that if we keep messing with the genetics of bees by splitting them and artificially making queens and messing with their being for traits that we like, that there's gonna be a collapse, a downfall of the bees. And he really Mm. looked at them in a spiritual way and it was actually his lecture series that first sparked my interest in bees and I guess why I have such a foundation of seeing the bees as sacred and as like mm. souls and as how did you find <laughs> like how did you come across his work was it by, yeah like, a friend it, to you no it, it was just or? by chance I had moved to Margaret River in Western oh. Australia and was living in a little caravan didn't have any friends and I got a library card <laughs> <laughs> so friends like, are books <laughs> yes and it's just so funny because I actually took a picture of the stack of books I rented out and it's like it kind of explains, you know, my life, how it is, the titles oh of these books. So this is like manifestation <laughs> all in one. And then so yeah. from reading that book mm-hmm. there, you were like, this just ignites something deep in me. Was that it? And then it just kind of kept Yeah, going. well, it's kind of, they kind of slowly co- took over my entire being. Yeah. Like that was sort of like a whoa, sort of, it was, you know, because it was also like a spiritual you know, calling for me. Mm. And then after that, all of a sudden the bees started to come into my life without even me really trying. Like I'd be having a conversation and someone would talk about bees and I'd be like, ooh, 
I like these. <laughs> Let's Tell talk me about more. This. Yeah. <laughs> um, or, you know, I'd start like, you know, getting really good honey and like mm. using that, you know, on my skin. And um, and there's such a difference too from shop honey to like yeah. real. Yeah. So I was embodying it, like yeah. literally embodying it into my being. And then I started, I was interested. So I started researching like throughout history, you know, all Ooh. the goddesses and like what just went down a ra- rabbit hole. So there's um, Brahmari yeah. and she's the Indian goddess goddess of black bees you might know Brahmari breath if you've done some yoga this is like the humming like oh yeah we do that yeah yeah we we hold your ears she could harness the power of like wasps hornets and bees and like make them swarm on her enemies (laughs) (laughs) yeah isn't she fabulous and there's also um yeah this actually shamanic lineage that goes back from womb to womb all the way past ancient Greece to Mesopotamia where there were these priestess women that would um, get together in ceremony like prophesize using like the energy of the hive and this is something that's still practiced today um, and they're still teaching it um, at the Sacred Trust in England. You have a business Mm -hmm. called Embody Bee if yeah, people haven't heard mm. what Embody Bee encompasses before, would you like to just like run through that? Yeah. Just a lot. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um And maybe how long ago you started Embody uh-huh. Bee? Yeah, it's been a journey. I've been working with a bee with bees um for about seven years physically. And yeah, I was working for Save the Bees Australia and we were doing a lot of live cutouts and removals instead of bees getting exterminated, we'd go in there and it would be so you, you know, rescue them? Yeah, we'd do rescues oh. and that sort of thing. So it was like full-on bee work and I was just in this whole world of all-night conversations, you know, all about bees. And um, Simon, even though he's not a natural beekeeper, he sort of like has the mentality that, you know, the bees know what they're doing, like let them do their thing. So then we ended up with all of this beeswax and he wasn't doing anything with it. So I started just teaching myself, you know, and making candles and beeswax oh. wraps. And then these things that I made, people were like, wow. And I started selling them. <laughs> so I guess slowly when I was there, I started, you know, my Instagram page then, which before then I wasn't even into social media. Yep. And Simon was quite inspiring as well because he is an activist and he, the time I was there, he was in a court case against Capilano Honey for three years. And so it was yeah. really inspiring to see how social media can actually bring about incredible change. So I fully took it on. I was like, oh, my gosh, it's like the collective consciousness, just like the bees and, like, (laughs) I'm going to use this and, like, and it's, yeah, and it's also been able to, like, share, like, you know, these, like, deep inner thoughts that are happening within. I can now, like, express Mm. this to the world. And so I've just just been slowly and authentically without any paid advertising been growing this little business. And now it's turned into, you know, from starting from making things in my kitchen, I'm now living here on community and I have a production space and we're making not just honeys but we're like whipping in special um medicines and herbs and alchemy into them to make them even more high vibrational i also teach yeah um and it's i don't even like to call it beekeeping because the bees are the ones that are keeping us yeah so i call it bee tending and yeah i teach an introduction to bee guardianship as well which um yeah is a much more sort of holistic way of putting the needs of the bees first before your human greed pretty much and with that kind of method Mm -hmm. as well are you smoking in that method or like Mm -hmm. what kind of like physical differences Mm -hmm. are there compared to commercial or even like 
there is people with just like one hive, but they mm-hmm. learn the commercial tactics mm-hmm. for their one hive. Exactly. So, yeah. I mean, what makes me really sad is that the majority of beekeeping courses out there, even for backyard beekeepers, they teach commercial methods, yeah. which is totally unnecessary. If you are just have like, you know, one or two hives in your backyard and your main, you know, intention for a hive is not like to have the maximum amount of honey possible yeah. from the hive. <laughs> and so some of these methods are... It is common practice to kill the queen every year to increase honey production because if you put a new queen in, she's going to lay more babies so you have like a stronger hive so there'll be more honey, right? So they kill the queen every year and then often they want special genetics for that queen to make them, you know, more honey producers and so sometimes they're artificially inseminated. And this is like by the sperm of one drone, when naturally in the wild, they'll be mating, the queen will be mating with 50 to 100 drones. Wow. So that genetic diversity within her. And so I really believe that a lot of the problems we're having with the bees is because of their genetics, because, you know, we wanted them to be nice and calm around us so that we can easily, you know, manipulate them and take their honey. Mm. But bees are meant to be you know, feisty and vicious. Yeah. Like, you come messing with my family, like, I'm going to... Yeah, so saying, if you're coming up with the intention, like, yeah. I love how they're like, we've got to make this dated, but, like, their intention coming up is like, we're going to kill your queen and we're going to take all your honey and, of course, they're going to be feisty. But yeah, like, yeah it's a strong trait and so they're more, they're better able to fight off pests and disease. Yeah. You know, when you just let them yeah. be. So... Yeah. Another thing is that they use a queen excluder so that the queen can't come up into the top box to lay her larvae. So you know when you open the top box, it's all honey in there, you can just take it. But her scent isn't getting throughout the hive. They also use foundation, which is like a sheet within the frame that determines them to sometimes use plastic as well and sometimes beeswax, but um, it's a special shape that they build to, um, you know, which is larger cells so it's more honey, but naturally they build all different size shaped Mm. cells depending on like the honey flow that's coming in and the type of bees they plan to birth Um, and they also send vibrations in the honeycomb like this is their communication so bees communicate through like vibration frequency and dance like just close your eyes and imagine yourself inside a beehive you know it's such like Mm. a subtle way to be and communicate and if you have a sheet of plastic in there for example like the flow Mm. hive which I don't like (laughs) Um, it's like this big bulky like straight plastic frame they can't feel that vibration you know so we're actually messing with their language as well which I think such a like (laughs) like tragic mirror of our society too where like the most simple things of like being able to read people's energies and dance as a way of communication we don't have that either but we would have so there's such like a mirror to what we're like it's really what we're doing to ourselves and because like it is such a feminine essence like 95% of the hive is female you know where it's it's really like the patriarchy going in with their like you know (laughs) It's also common practice to do a um, split. This is how they like reproduce hives mm. and it's taking, I see a hive as a whole. So like the, the skin of the hive is the body, the bees are the cells within the body and the honey is the blood. And yeah. they're all working together as this collective consciousness, this organism. So every time you open up a hive and you take honey, you are taking blood from a bean. So you take mm. like a little bit of honey, you know, the organism can quite easily like replenish and be healthy. You take a lot of honey from that hive, you know, and they can get like sick. 
and depleted and also it's like a surgery like you're opening them up to the elements you know this they put propolis which is plant and tree resins which is their immune system Mm. it's the most antimicrobial substance on earth it's amazing and you know beekeepers used to like scrape this propolis because they thought it was like black and dirty you know from the hive and it's just like this so like clinical way of like you know trying to fit things into and even fitting them into a box fitting them into a square yep. box it's like bees do not design in straight lines i was listening it's actually <laughs> to a podcast the other day and mm. they were saying how like it's just wild how they put them in the square boxes mm. and like you find the wild hives and they're, like they'll take up like a whole building and they're like it just shows how like monstrosity like what a monstrosity energy in the best way possible mm. they can be mm-hmm. but classic humans being like we must keep them smaller than us more mm-hmm. contained than us so they're not terrifying to us let's put them in this tiny single box yeah so we can manipulate them yeah because <laughs> imagine if we just let them go they'd be like castles of bees and like what an entity to like have to interact with and i've like i've seen that before because i've done like removals from when they yeah. move into walls of a house and i always find it so fascinating you know where they decide to move into and they're so intelligent like yeah. sometimes they'll move into where there's not even like a structure and when they do that they build their comb and nearly like an egg or a heart shape and there are people that have looked at this and like there's the sun hive which is designed around this shape yeah (laughs) it's pretty cool wow yeah so yeah and it's nearly like a dna structure as well from like hive to hive when you do let them build completely you know natural wild comb Mm. they'll build in the same design from like swarm to swarm it's a lineage it's a being it's like their dna and we're straightening that <laughs> like yeah it's just bizarre isn't it like, it's just like it just yeah. gives me the heebie-jeebies like yeah. yeah so I guess in like the bee-centric style bee tending that I do it's everything you know for the good of the bees first so we don't use foundation in the hives we allow them to build natural comb we're only harvesting when there's like a genuine honey flow and yeah. abundance we always make sure they have more than enough to get through the winter I've never had to feed bees sugar not once. Mm. I've never done it. So why? <laughs> and this is another common practice yeah, so like, in commercial beekeeping. That, like, so they feed them sugar to keep them producing honey? Is because that they why? take too much honey from them or oh. they put them in places where there's not enough nectar for them and they'll yeah. starve. So they feed them like sugar syrups and, yeah, it can actually give the bees like digestion problems. Yeah, it's really – it's like – you know, we need a variety of nutrition to be healthy. Yeah. Like, imagine yeah. just putting us on sugar. Well, you know, like we can, they, we they can stay alive. <laughs> we can stay alive. Yeah. You know, but we're not going to thrive. Yeah. In the long run. Short yeah. term, maybe. But, like, that's the thing. We, like, don't have that long term mm. no. vision. Yeah. <laughs> and so with your hives, too, you've kept, you showed me just mm-hmm. a couple before. Yeah. And some were passed to you or from people yeah. and then you have one in the wall. Yeah, so I collect all different types of yeah. um, bee-centric hive designs from around the world because I really like seeing bees in different structures and seeing what works and what do- doesn't work. And a lot of the time, like, they suit different mm. types of people as well and, um, yeah. and different size colonies. So I do have a few hives in conventional boxes, but you can practice bee-centric principles within those boxes, and so I do. Yeah. Um, so do you let the queen yeah, lay her love? Yeah. I've I've never killed a queen. There's no queen excluder. She can roam. I also put like the fresh boxes underneath instead of on top. So that by the time that the honey gets to the top, it's aged and there's been life born within that comb, which means there's more propolis and like royal jelly and like... All of those amazing bee things, there's a possum above oh, us right now with like, this oh, little yay. tail. Oh my God, it's so fluffy. Um, 
Yeah, oh. we're sitting in a beautiful location, by the way, here in the oh. community on a little balcony overlooking the waterfall and yeah. we've got a possum and all the trees <laughs> around us and all the bees to the left with their flowers. Yeah. Yeah, but have you named the possum? No. Does it, maybe, is it a regular? Maybe we should. Yeah, yeah, no, it hangs out there. Well, actually, there's been multiple different creatures since I've lived here. Um, yeah. At first, there was a big python in the roof, which oh. I loved because there's a connection between the snake and the bee. And I was like, oh, I'm living in a hexagon. <laughs> snake in my roof. <laughs> what is the bee snake? Just as a slight yeah. detour. Because I see a lot of, and I've mm-hmm. had that asked for mm-hmm. Alex and stuff. Like, people yeah. like, bee and snake. And, for, like, I don't know the connection mm-hmm. between it. Mm-hmm. So I was always a bit like... Uh, they seem right together, but what is the yeah. connection between them? So both the bee and the snake represent sort of, you know, replenishing of new life. You know, how the snake mm. sheds its skin yep. and the bee pollinates and can rebirth itself. But also with the venom, because there's a very fine line between poison and medicine. So oh. back in like ancient Egypt, yep. they would actually use both bee and snake venom, intentionally sting themselves and... Wow. Use this, let the snakes bite them for the venom yeah. um, to use that for immortality wow. and beauty. <laughs> yeah, they <laughs> but, did wild things. Yeah, yeah, but this is actually a thing. Like people are um, able to um, get rid of autoimmune diseases. It's one of the only things that can get rid of Lyme's disease is through bee venom treatment. Wow. Yeah, so it's actually a full modality. In itself. Yeah. yeah. Which yeah. I think is a beautiful segue yeah. to something I know that you'd mentioned like you are mm-hmm. really passionate about, mm. which is the hive yeah. as a whole as a healing modality. Yeah. And I guess too, like how maybe a little story for maybe you you found a personal healing mm. time in your life, like how it helped mm-hmm. you and then maybe spreading into some of your products mm-hmm. and how they help. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um and I can honestly say, you know, before I brought the medicine of the hive, the alchemy of the hive into my life. Um, Yeah, I was not as like, you know, this is nearly 10 years ago now. I was not as healthy at all or had as much energy or Mm. like my skin, you know, I was a lot more overweight as well. Um, So like for health and beauty and lifestyle, it's like transformed my life completely. And it started with just um, incorporating honey yep. into my diet, but then also washing myself with honey. I'm not using soap and using yeah. that on my Do skin, so it, like, I started to embody. Just full, like, the syrupy honey, or I saw a post where you, like, you mix yes. all parts of the, different parts of the hive? Or yeah, so I have yeah. a special honey that has all of the medicines of the hive in yeah. there, and I use that as a face mask. But, yep. yeah, I wash, especially, like, sensitive areas. It's really nice to wash with honey. Um, and even like the crystallized honey is nice to kind of exfoliate with yeah. because honey is antibacterial and you might think it's sticky, but as soon as you add water, it actually lathers. Yeah. So yeah, I don't expect people to like, go and get jars of honey and wash themselves with like <laughs> I did, but we've actually, we're about to launch a beautiful new product. It's actually half honey and half, um, castile, pure olive oil, castile soap in like a pump with essential oils. Nice. Yes. Yeah, so that's going to be a really nice lathering way to ease it into the yeah into your routine. body yeah and then I guess because we were doing of those cutouts with Save the Bees Australia 
there was always larvae that we couldn't save. We couldn't always fit all of mm. the larvae into the box. You know, we'd make sure we get the queen, as much larvae as we could, and yeah. I couldn't throw it away. So we started freezing the is larvae. Is larvae alive, or is it is it larvae? Is it like is it a jelly substance? It looks a bit like because I haven't seen it. Before. It looks a bit like jelly. Okay, um, it's and they just white, but it is larvae, and float around. I'm just imagining like. But, but we'd put it in the freezer and pop it out like little pills, and <laughs> all of the wild honey hunters of the world that would be the prize would be the larvae wow. because this is where a lot of the nutrients is when be- when bears go for a hive they're not after the honey they're after the larvae because that's where the nutrients are. I guess because it's going to make a bee eventually yeah that it would so, be packed with yeah. everything to make a being so yeah, yeah. Too. and so it's full, full protein but yeah. like for example royal jelly which is in a tiny amounts in all larvae as well because they feed it to the baby bees yeah. it has 10 hda in there which is not found in any other living organism found on earth and what's 10 hda yeah it's really amazing sub compound for the brain for example like the drone um, homeogentate which is the boy larvae that has chlorine the special compound in it which can actually help with um adhd yeah. And it's really good for fertility as well because the queen is fed exclusively royal jelly and she can live up to seven years. It's what helps her grow her reproductive organs when a regular month, a bee, will live for like a month to two months. Wow. So the royal jelly is incredible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so when you were like finding, like you were getting hives where there was excess and you couldn't Yeah, we couldn't save it and yeah. so we'd freeze it and that's when I started using that. Cool. And that was just, I know, such a difference in like my energy and the way my brain functioned. And yeah, um, and yeah I went through um, some pretty dark times of depression over the years and the bees really helped me not just with like the medicines of their hive, but also their presence, like being in their vibration, having a hive close changes the frequency of your area well humans like we are (laughs) sound like we are like everything is a vibration Mm. like everything and they're just like such a prominent Mm. like thing of that like you can physically hear the vibration Mm. so I can imagine sitting or like sleeping near them or you work near them yeah exactly I remember the first night I stayed at Simon's this is Save the Bees Australia and yeah with 10 hives out in the backyard like I literally felt like (laughs) my consciousness changed just by sleeping with that many bees close to me and then the next day I got like a sting on my um, pineal gland like right at the top of my (laughs) (laughs) then I was wired You, you can get high off bee venom as well I've had experience is where I've had all over body stings, not intentionally. Yeah. But it's completely like flushed things yeah. out of me and like heightened me. Even swarm catching, I get high off the queen's pheromone. So like, like just by being near or like yeah. by... Yeah, just by smelling just, her, yeah. which smells like lemongrass. Um, oh. But yeah, so apitherapy is this ancient modality of healing using every single, not just product, but element from, from the mm. hive. So I'm talking like vibration, frequency, scent, yeah. dance. Um, then you incorporate all the products as well. And back in my house in Victoria, I had an apitherapy studio where I was very experimentative with all of these elements of the hive. So I had a literal beehive bed built into my house. <laughs> so a living oh beehive, God. obviously their entrance is like outside. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I had like a clear pipe so you could see the bees climbing That's up the wild. rope and then out. And then you could lie on top of this oh like bench goodness. of bees yeah you, like lie there every day yeah I'd lie on it every day yeah. and then I started doing treatments for people just out of my oh. home because I also had a little B&B so people would come for the weekend and I'd, I was more a like B&B. experimentative because <laughs> I haven't studied like 
this. I was just sort of like seeing yeah. what would work and what was and yeah, who, what like I could what do. Type of people came to um, you for that. I guess people also that were following me and were really yeah. interested. They'll come out of their way to come and stay and try it. But yeah. then also just yeah, people that found me on Airbnb and read up about it and wanted to try it. Yeah, and um, so I did a whole range of different things. I did these special facials where I'd put literal a mask of beeswax on the skin. So, so you're so gonna say a mask of bees? <laughs> I was like, what? And you just let them crawl over you. <laughs> the little feet, Peter Patter. <laughs> <laughs> but it was amazing. I actually yeah. looked into it. They actually used to do beeswax masks back in the day as well. Um, so these are all things too, like you do intuitively. Yeah, and then I, you found I found. Real thing. And then yeah. I found actually this is a thing that before people would die, they'd get this beeswax mask, and then after they died, they'd get like have a performance with the face with their beeswax. Anyway, really? it was a whole thing. <laughs> I need this in my future death ceremony. <laughs> But actually, it was amazing because when you peel off the beeswax, you actually yeah. are removing like a layer of dead skin and then all of that moisturizing as well. So you yeah. literally have like baby skin and you'd be radiating with this like beehive glow. Where you've <laughs> and sold I'd put me. oils and propolis in. And I'd also hand dip people's joints, like hands into beeswax. And this oh. is amazing. It would be sort of like a glove and then your hand would sort of throb in there. It's amazing for circulation. So mm. anyone with like arthritis or... I was about to say that, people with that. Yeah, yeah, you know, um, mobility issues, that sort of thing. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, I also had a ventilator <laughs> hooked up to the hive where um, I never, the hive actually never got strong enough for me to um, practice this to the public. Yeah. But um, you could put a mask on and breathe the air of the beehive. Did you do it? And yeah, oh. and the um, the beehive has the same sterilization rate as a hospital room, but obviously without any artificial chemicals. Yep. So this is actually a legit practice that they're using in Slovenia. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's all accredited, been studied. Yep. They're using it in hospitals for bronchitis and asthma. Wow. Yeah, and then. Um, and what do you experience when you did it too? Like, what do you experience? From yeah, it? I've, I experience more of like, I, I feel really clear in my lungs and yeah. my mind, but it's also brings you and it can bring you into heightened states of consciousness. It can make you high. So yeah. this would be amazing to do as breath work. Yeah. So yeah. I have lots of plans. This was sort of like all test run stuff for plans yep. of things I want to do, literally embodying the bee and making not just all of these beautiful products I make, but all of the elements of the hive into a modality that can be accessed for people because all of these things they were doing in the ancient times, it just hasn't really been brought all together as one yet. Is your plan to create mm -hmm. that space here for people or like... Yeah, not on the community, but yeah, yeah I'd like to open Somewhere. an apitherapy studio in Belgium yeah. with all of our products and... Um, yeah, whole um, yeah treatment space. Bed. Yeah, exactly. But this is probably still a few years away. Yeah, going down and you show me all the mm -hmm. products before. Mm. You have so many. Would you like to share about maybe two mm -hmm. that, that you're like maybe your personal favorites mm -hmm. or maybe that you found people mm -hmm. that people really are drawn towards for healing? Yeah. Well, the nectar of the goddesses is our most popular honey, and this yeah. is incredible because it does have all of those hive medicines whipped back into it so it's really how we should be eating honey like it's yeah. how the wild honey hunters 
eat honey. So it has um, royal jelly, propolis, bee pollen, drone homeogenate and honey all mixed together as one. So it's really like incredible to take like a spoon of that every day or you can do a face mask with it um, cool. just for overall health and beauty. And then we have a whole balm range as well. And so probably the most popular balm is Miracle Balm and profits from this go back to Save the Bees Australia. And I love it because it's so multi-purpose. It has 33 different uses. Oh my goodness. So you can keep it in your bag, you know, you can, it's just a really good moisturizer, you know, it's good for like burns or rashes or eczema, you know, it's good for like a beard balm on your hands or you can polish like your leather shoes with it or a chopping board. Just everything, (laughs) anything you can think of. It can actually even attract a swarm into your box. (laughs) Can it actually? Yeah. You can rub it on the inside of your hive. So yeah, I love multi-purpose things and a lot of our products are like that. Like you buy it and it has it. I'm like, come bees. (laughs) <laughs> Come live in here. <laughs> Keep my window open every day. Like, <laughs> wow. yeah, yeah, and then yeah, we're developing more of the honeys, and yeah, we're doing a whole beauty range. So it's really oh, exciting. So exciting. Everything we're doing at the moment. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is just a random mm-hmm. thought that popped into my head. I used to remember seeing something or watching something, and this a guy was saying that in his beehive he'd noticed the bees out of like the propolis and the wax were making he's like are they making art like apparently they're making like little pillars and just like things that were just like he's like weren't necessary to their actual Mm. hive flow it's just on the base Mm -hmm. have your bees done anything like that yeah well that actually is necessary like in the in like a wild tree you know it's rough yeah. And so they're trying to fill like any gaps or space with propolis. It's their immune system, which oh. is foraged from plant and tree resins, you know, yeah. like natural incense. It's incredible yeah. stuff. And so they bring it back and they chew it up like gum and add their enzymes into it. And they're sticking it to the wall so like no predators come, can come in. It keeps everything really nice and clean. So like a wild beehive will have yeah. so much propolis on the floor, on the walls, like everywhere. Like they will make art with it because yeah. it will be their walls. When conventional hives, like they're all smooth wood and they just kind of put, you know, it around where you're opening up the lid or if there's yeah. a crack in the box, they'll cu- they'll fill that with propolis. Yeah. Um, and so I really like what um, Tim Malfoy does. He's a one of the only natural commercial beekeepers in Australia. He roughs up the inside of his wire boxes so that the bees will go and fill that with propolis. Wow. You know, there's other yeah. things we can do to encourage that more natural sort of behaviour. Oh, it's like <laughs> mind-blowing. <laughs> like so many things to absorb. Yeah, it really is. And I could, yeah, talk yeah. all day. <laughs> and I really liked you had working with bees as birth work. And yeah, I'd kind of love to hear about your birthing story i've been very f- extra yeah. I've, always been, I've always been connected to like mothers mother energy children but lately it's been like an extra mm-hmm. fascination point because mm-hmm. i'm like i think being eventually a birth doula something's something i'd love to go into so i'd absolutely love if you feel like sharing to hear your birth story and how it's interwoven with bees yeah it's a really yeah. good story <laughs> i love and story it, time <laughs> yeah and it just made me think about another woman beautiful woman that actually yeah. lives here on the community and she was the woman to um help me birth my daughter and oh, wow. when we were we did this big road trip together up from victoria to new south wales and you know i was heavily pregnant then and she was talking about birth and everything she was saying i could relate it back to bees yeah <laughs> I'm pretty good at doing that with most things. But, and then she was like, ooh. And now she's actually taken on part of the, she's felt a really big calling to the bees because she is a natural birth worker yeah. and it is so interconnected. Yeah. But anyway, my birth story. Oh. 
Yes, so I have a almost five-year-old daughter, Olive, and she yeah. is beautiful. She's a Moroccan love child. And so I actually <laughs> conceived her when I was in Morocco. Her father has never left the country. And I was traveling over there and I was having these really intense dreams months before I conceived her yeah. that I was pregnant. At that time, I was. this was also before I started my business really but yeah. I was very like interwoven with the bee at the same time um her father actually got stung by a bumblebee very close to his crotch <laughs> <laughs> you're like it's a sign <laughs> um yeah <laughs> anyway we were we were traveling and um a lot of the time that I was there we were elf camping in beautiful areas of Morocco because Morocco is gorgeous they have you know the mountains and the ocean and mm. the desert we were up high in the Atlas Mountains and at this place called Tadia which is gorge in the native Berber language and we're staying yeah. at this village that you can't drive into you have to hike into or go by yeah. donkey and so <laughs> we had hiked in and we're staying at this um, woman's property and she was a Berber family which is the original people of northern Africa like oh, yeah, their yeah. lineage goes back past ancient Egypt like yeah. wow beautiful people and they're yeah. you know pretty much living self-sufficiently out there you know they build their houses out of stone and they're into agriculture yeah. and beautiful people anyway on the the roof of their house they had about five beehives and these hives were really special because they'd actually attained them from the wild because wow. they don't have money to, you know, yeah. buy bees. So they'd gone into the wild, taken the bees and brought them back yeah. on top of their roof. And so, yeah, they were sort That's of like cool. wild honey hunters slash, you know, bee tenders yeah. in this beautiful part there. For a while, um, while I was traveling there, I was seeing these Berber women with these beautiful facial tattoos. And I was thinking, oh, they're so gorgeous. And mm. so I was sitting there and I couldn't speak the language of this older Ber Berber woman. And I asked her to, to translate. Could you tell her that her facial tattoo, I think it's beautiful. Yeah. And then she translated back to me that she can do these tattoos. Oh. Would I like one? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and I was just like, ooh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, it was such a blessing. That evening um, she got charcoal from the fire and she yeah. drew a line on my chin, yeah. which is a rite of passage for the Berber women. It's called the seed. And... When the Arabs came to the country, everyone's pretty much converted to Islam now and they've lost that culture. The younger women are not getting tattoos on their face because it's against Islam to mark your body. Yeah, so she, with a sewing needle and charcoal, she um, gave me a tattoo on the chin. That's this, so special. This seed. Yeah. And so this night, under the hives, I conceived oh. my daughter. Wow. <laughs> this Moroccan seed yep. came into my body. Yeah. And yeah, then I came. I, I was have like little shoes. <laughs> <laughs> I came back to Australia and I went back to Save the Bees Australia. And I was there and I was just sort of in this cocoon like state, mm -hmm. not really wanting to be there, wanting to birth in my power, birth, you know, with nature close to the bees. But um, that was so out of my reality. I didn't have any money. Yeah. Um, but I ended up buying a 
bell tent and I was like, I'm going to travel and I'm going to find where I'm meant to be. I'm going <laughs> to birth on the land with this baby. <laughs> I've got a tent. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> so I traveled all up the East Coast and visited so many communities and didn't find yeah. anywhere that felt right. Yeah. And I ended up back at Save the Bees Australia again. And at this stage, I'm are like they? Are they? on the Mornington Peninsula in Victoria, okay, just outside yep. of Melbourne. Yep. So I'm like three months away from popping <laughs> at this stage, like very heavily pregnant. Also, I don't have a partner and I want to free birth. The whole time I didn't have any. I love the commitment. <laughs> I didn't have any ultrasounds. I was fully trusting in my body and this baby yeah. and like in birth that, you know, I could do this. I yeah. had to sort of cut out my family because wow. so much fear, even Simon stressing was afraid. Yeah. Yeah. So I just didn't want to be in this environment. Yeah. And anyway, I found this incredible woman who heard my story, flew down to Victoria and said, I know where you're meant to be and drove up with me oh with the tent. And we went to this woman's land who, um, it was a beautiful story because she was an older woman and her partner had committed suicide the year before. Oh. So there was like death. Yeah. And here I am bringing life. Her property is called Phoenix. Oh, perfect. <laughs> and I, I didn't know her. I just met her and yeah. said, can I set up a bell tent down next to your river? And, and she just kind of like looked at me and went, yeah, okay. <laughs> so the first thing I did once I set up this tent, of course, was I got a beehive. Yeah. And even the box for this that I had with me was the, the design painted on it looked like her property. It looked like the rolling wow. hills and the river and the trees. Wow. <laughs> You're like, you just like manifestation yeah, again. That worked. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I gave birth to my daughter there on her property. Um, and so all of a sudden I sort of had nothing. I didn't have many friends around me at the time. Mm -hmm. I didn't have a partner. You know, I didn't have a birth support team to like all of a sudden having community, having mm -hmm. land, having, you know, this beautiful lover having uh, everything I needed to be supported in the moment because I believed in it so fully. Yeah. And I birthed in my power, went into labor two weeks early, um, a day after this woman's birthday, whose land I was on two days after her father's birthday mm. and birthed sort of like on my hands. in the and, tent? No, I was up at the house. Okay, yeah. Yeah, in front of the fireplace. Yeah. And I sort of went from, you know, lying in the bath to back in front of the fireplace and, yeah you know, getting massaged and yeah. um, the woman whose property I'm on, she's also a sound healer. So oh, yeah. as I was sort of, Olive was sort of coming out, she just started, when she went into tongues, like Native American oh, tongues, started oh, chanting yeah. and she had seven little chihuahuas and they started, ow, 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 like howling. <laughs> and so I just birthed oh. and, you know, wow. Olive was tiny. She was two weeks early and I just put her to my chest and, you know, yeah. I fully birthed in my power and believed in myself and you know having nothing from that point on I just believed in my power to create yeah because after especially that like there is no like nothing more powerful than mm. having a, a small tiny soul come yeah. out of so connected and yeah. had all the smells just all over me and yeah just being and also being cared for like postpartum so important yeah. and I had you know I was being fed and looked after for a good like you know week or yeah. so after I birthed and then still getting meals and all that sort of thing yeah. but actually after I birthed I um the bees they fly in figure eights when they learn how to fly this is like an ancient belly dance you know yep. move we do with our hips but the bees also do it like the ge geometry of the bees is freaking amazing yeah. if you like 
you know, want to go and watch them That's do this. So cool. Yeah, it's beautiful. So I actually belly dance figured eight and my placenta out. <laughs> oh, did you? That's so cool. I did. And then I also oh. um, cooked my placenta in a Moroccan tagine. And I was just about to ask, what do you do with the placenta? Because I've just been reading yeah. a book called Placenta, The Forgotten Chakra. Mm. And it's just been mind-blowing and I'm like I'm so glad I'm reading this now of just yeah like how to release a placenta and like even just keeping it attached for a little while Mm -hmm. um and then yeah so you cooked it yes I well I kept it attached overnight and then the next morning we burnt it with a beeswax candle and did a little ceremony sort of the skin part we put in the freezer and planted under an olive tree later on and I also made um well my doula made a tincture yeah which I still have um from from it from the placenta, yeah, and so like, out like of, I like, could give part? that. Yeah, just cut a chunk and put okay, it in brandy, yeah. pretty much. Wow! And then I sort of have the mother of this, so yeah. whenever Olive was upset, I could give her. It's like motherly connection and love. Yeah. I could give her some of this tincture. Like she could give this to her grandchild if she wanted. It's yeah, like because the placenta has last. everything. Like I was mind yeah. blown. Like, <laughs> and, and they, they do you say like yeah, cutting it so early too sometimes. Well, a third age. a third of their blood is still pumping to the baby's body. Yeah, I really felt that help with connection, but also nourishment it is actually the most delicious thing I've ever eaten really? in my entire life wow I guess it was kind of yeah it was cooked on the tagine and then made into yeah. a soup but then after that and other people tried it too and they're yeah. like oh my god it's amazing <laughs> you're like it's not just me being crazy yeah <laughs> I was like oh my gosh I have to um have more of this you know yeah. so well also it's the only meat you can consume we don't have to kill a life you grow yeah, it you, yeah anyway nine um, months in the making yeah <laughs> i went and bought you know um liver and was like oh i'll make you know yep. this flavor again no it's yuck. quite strong it was we, it was just the energy of the placenta yeah. and also like whew, yep. it's just what my body i felt my body needed you yep. know but wow. I'm like, with all of this said, I'm also like, you know, whatever a woman feels is best for her. Hundred percent. This you is know. I always feel yeah. Because <laughs> I'm pretty bad. your bitch. story. Yeah, yeah. Everyone has wherever anyone's comfortable ways about yeah. doing it. Yeah, each to their own. Yeah, and so I mean, what I say in that is that from this point, like the power I had, you know, to then a couple of years by, later having you know ten dollars yeah. in my bank account to having a dream and buying a house that's another birth you know and then having all of these business ambitions even living isolated and then all of a sudden coming to community it's like I really truly believe and just trust in and go for my dreams from that point on because I've embodied it I've birthed in my power and so how this relates back to bees is that the patriarchy and the masculine male dominated commercialized method of the way they birth bees is disgusting. Mm. It is taking out larvae, you know, from the womb, putting it into another box away from the mother and getting an artificially inseminated queen. Um, or you can also, there's another way to do it where you can let the bees make their own queen, which is a lot nicer. Yeah. Um, but anyway, still taking larvae out from yeah. one body into another body. So yeah. I see that as a forced early C-section. Yeah. When if you'll wait till spring and you allow the bees to birth naturally, that's a natural birth. And so I feel like a doula. I feel like they are the most vulnerable when they're swarming. I don't, if you go on my page, you can see videos of me literally with my hands coaxing a hive 
into a box with my bare hands. That's because they are a newborn baby. They're vulnerable. Yeah. They're not thinking about stinging you. They're looking for a home, you know? Oh. So like really treating with them with that honor and reverence and treating yeah. it as if it is birth work because mm. it is. And patience <laughs> Like they're not, you're not rushing. Like you're like, mm. you do whatever you need to in your own time. Yeah. I'm here with my hands open, like... <laughs> Whenever you need me, I'll be here. Yeah, and they're forcing. They've chosen, you know, when to birth. But also, they bees are intelligent. They know the seasons. Maybe that hive is not meant to swarm that year. The bees know what's going on within their own colony and what's going on within the environment. A hive can swarm like sometimes two to three times that Mm. year as well. Sometimes they go. If this is right, they. Mm -hmm. The, they'll swarm smaller or they'll deliberately keep their own hive smaller if they know there's drought coming. Yeah. And then if they know they're going to have a lot of water because they can feel it in the earth mm-hmm. systems, they'll like they will then make their hive bigger. But then some people apparently like be like, oh my God, they do, they're getting too small. They're making their hive too small. But it's like they know what's coming. So they're reducing their resources, yeah. reducing their loss. Or, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, the bees, so the bees know what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> Just watch what they're doing. I really and believe then, that. Yeah, for sure. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. A, yeah, that's an incredible story. I love I like it makes me so happy hearing people who just like follow that heart-centered way of living as well, like without a doubt, just yeah. being like no promises mm. that this is going to work out and I'm just yeah. going to go for it. Yeah. Like, that's that's yeah. the magic and, bit. And before the bees and before I birthed, I was ungrounded. Like mm. I was traveling all over the place. You know, yeah. I didn't really have that much directional meaning and it was because you, it's not really nice to move bees. Yeah. <laughs> you got to sort of be in one place. Like they really grounded me and then my yep. daughter definitely grounded yeah. me because I was like, ooh, nesting <laughs> urge. <laughs> I need bees and a baby like (laughs) yeah so I mean it's been like I didn't even know how much medicine like that was for me in turn you know I was doing it for them but for me you know I've been the best thing yeah yeah oh, so I'm forever incredible. grateful and is it do you were you saying before there was someone is it on this community or near here that you were going to run courses with is that- yeah so usually every year I do an introduction to bee guardianship yeah. which is like a full two-day not just learning how to tend to the bees but also learning you know a little bit of like you know the mythology and mm. the embodiment and um you know all of the how to incorporate hive medicine, but also, you know, how to get started with tending bees and all the different yeah. hive designs and all of that. So, yeah, I put so much of my heart and soul I'm into sorry, that. that like the like biggest <laughs> download. Like, I can imagine just being in the course being like, yeah. whoa, and like taking notes when you get home in the evening and then, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it's so much that I only do it once a year. Yeah. This year I've decided to collaborate with Adrian Iodice, which is a beautiful natural beekeeper in Australia. There's not many natural beekeepers in Australia that teach, but yeah. he's probably one of the more well-known ones. And my very first um, beekeeping course I did with him. So it's really oh, cool. an honour. It's like this be- beautiful full circle thing that he's now asked yeah. to collaborate and do a course with me. So <laughs> I think that's going to be August and we oh, haven't, cool. you know, um, opened tickets or anything for that yet. And that and when it, will it be, comes up, that'll be up on your... Yeah, it'll be up on my social media. But also, yeah. if you're, like, interested in all of this stuff, go and sign up to my newsletter on my website because then we'll send out a newsletter when it's getting closer so you don't miss okay. out on, like, missing the post for the yeah. workshop. Or I'll be doing that today as well. <laughs> <laughs> when I re-listen to this podcast, I'll be like, oh, wait, got to sign up. Yeah. <laughs> a really beautiful thing I kind of just want to leave people with, if you're, like, ever stressed or in a rush... Um, a really beautiful um, way to incorporate like a little bit of hive medicine into your life is just by like sitting and closing your eyes and doing the Brahmari breath. 
people mm. sometimes put their finger in their ears. You don't have to either. Um, it's just like inhaling and doing a really beautiful deep hum like a bee. So I'll, I'll do one now. And yeah, we can <laughs> if do you're one. listening, I'll encourage you to do one with us and then take that away. And it's a really good thing if you are like overwhelmed or stressed. Welcome and yeah. blessed be. Blessed be. <laughs> <laughs> blessed be. What a lovely way to end. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Making Magic Real. I hope you love this chat as much as I did, and you can follow along with Emily and her bees on her Instagram at EmbodyBee. If you'd like to share this episode of the podcast today, sharing it to socials or sending it to a friend who you think will resonate with it would mean the world. I hope you're having a lovely day. Much love, Julia J.